0: All right, go ahead and grab a seat. Welcome, everybody, again, to Marine Covenant Church. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. So glad that you're joining us in the room. Those of you joining online, super great. If you're online, you're missing out because baby Louie is here. Let's go. And JP and, and Bella, nice to see you too. Um, anyway, it's so, so good to be together. And what's so fun is you found yourself at the beginning of an incredible sermon series. We're doing a sermon series called The Enemies of Our Soul. We're looking at the devil the world. you remember the third one? I'm sorry, that backwards, the devil, the flesh, and the world. I'm like still jumping up. So I gave you a tip. Good job, Javier. So the enemies of our soul are like, why in the world would we start New Year's like that? And some people are like, that's kind of a hard way to start the year. But you know what? The truth is, these are enemies of our soul. And as pastors and as friends, it's kind of just, it's so tiresome, right, to be so burdened by a broken world and feel so defeated by a broken world and by the person who's in charge of the broken world. And the reality is, is that we actually want to live in the truth. And we understand that by living in the truth, we actually are people who live in this abundant life. And we don't need to be scared of the devil, of our flesh, of the world, but we are actually empowered by God. And so we're going to lean in to the best of who God has for us this series. And the last week, Jeff did an incredible series sermon kicking off the series of teaching about the devil. It's a 40-minute fire hose of every single thing you need to know. It is the best. It is incredible. It's better than anything you could ever watch on YouTube, and you should check it out. And what's incredible, he does an origin story. He talks about his, uh, his strategy, not his strategy, his desire is death and destruction, and then his tactics, his big tactic. Remember this from last week? What's his big tactic? Lies. That's right. And so if that's his big tactic, then the way to combat lies are with the truth. That's right. And because we have access to the truth, we're going to double down this morning for this whole series and be joy-filled. Well, Jeff, you know, he, he set my week off on a different tangent because he threw down the gauntlet. He said, if, man, if you want to understand both this, this uh, the devil, but understand the flesh and the world and live all the ways that God has for us, then you should memorize this verse. And if you memorize this verse, then you are well on your way to understand theologically and practically how to navigate that. I'm like, oh, geez, I hate memorizing scripture. But you know what? I took a good effort. Jeff has a stack of cash. So I'm going to, I'm for a big cash, many dollars, either shame or money. That's how you get me. And uh, so I'm going to try my best uh, to memorize this passage of scripture and we'll see how we do. Okay. So if this is, it, it was first John chapter five, verse 19 and 20. This is kind of like the thesis, almost the, the scriptural backing that we want to know in our guts. It says what the, we know that we are children of God and we know, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. But we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. Here's the best part. And we're in Him who is true by being in His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the true God and eternal life. Amen? Come on. Dude. Listen, the boomers' brains, for all the garbage that boomers get, you guys' their brains are epic because you had to actually memorize stuff. We had Google, and so it's a, it's a discipline for Dude, us. Dude, you were word for word, so you get double payback.
1: Two bucks right there, two green dollars. Two dollars, and uh, you see the wad right here? Like I had high expectations
0: of you, so after service, did anybody do their that's homework? All, that's right. All After right. service, fine enough. Now here's what's funny. I was kind of hoping for a hundred dollar bill, because that's like, that feels like mm-hmm. worth it. You know, this is like, you know, thanks grandpa for the nickel. But it, it, it's a thought, <laughs> it's the thought. It's the thought that counts, right? Well, what I love um <laughs> what's so fun is so you might have heard this illustration. I've heard this forever, forever and ever, right? If you want to believe the truth, right? The way that if you want to combat lies, it's like uh, how people who work in counterfeit bills, how they, what they do. And you may have heard this illustration. It's been around the church forever that you don't, there's a million ways in which you can counterfeit money. Just a million. But instead of trying to learn all the million ways in which people are going to counterfeit money, you actually, the, what they do is they, they just spend time knowing the truth. They spend time with real money. And the more they spend time with real money, then they actually can go, they can spot fakes just like that. Now, that's a great sermon illustration, but there's something in me, I'm like, that can't be true. I mean, like, come on, this is like the age of the internet. And I didn't want to stand up here and tell you something that wasn't true. And, uh, and then I was going to have this moral quandary, like, do I just pretend? But thankfully, it is true. There's this, uh, there's this author, Tim Chalice, who goes, he went to Canada, and he worked his way all the way through the, the government officials to the counterfeit department. And sure enough, they said in their world, what they do, if they want to fight counterfeit, the very first way that they start people is by giving them money, real money, teaching them over and over, hours and hours to know the truth. The true money and the way that they do it more and more, they can almost instantly spot fakes. And what's interesting is they said, here's what you do. First of all, you touch it because money is printed on really unique paper. Then you tilt it. Now a dollar bill doesn't have that cool little hologram, but the big money does, right? The, the hologram and you tilt it so you can tell. Then you look at it and then you look through it, those four things. And if you did those four things, you can tell of real from the fake. And this guy who had minimal training, they gave him a bunch of money and he almost instantly could tell immediately what was real and what was fake. And so when we're talking about, gosh, how in the world are we gonna battle the devil? That's why this sermon is called The Best Offense is a Good Defense because we can't think about all of the lies, all of the ways that the devil's gonna try to trick us and lie to us and manipulate us and be after us. But what we can do is we can spend our time knowing the truth. And then when we know the truth, man, then we're ready. We're going to smell him coming a mile away, right? Amen to that. So let's look at this one more time. This is what we're going to look, We're going to use our, this memory verse to, to kind of anchor our entire morning. And let's just all read it together. We know that we are God's children. Sorry. We know that we are God's children and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Amen. What a good verse. That verse preaches itself. And in fact... The way this morning is going to work, I have a brief uh, 10 minutes left with you to just give some practical application to how to navigate this, because the true idea of spiritual warfare we think, is actually spiritual practices. If you really want to wrestle with and wrestle things down, well, then it's the spiritual disciplines and practices that are going to get us there. So we're going to spend just about eight or 10 minutes walking through some spiritual practices, and then I'm going to invite Jeff up, and we're going to spend another 15 minutes answering the really good questions that you guys asked last week. So that's kind of how the morning is going to shape. Up, okay? So the very first thing is right, we want to know that we are God's children and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And the reality is this is what's helpful. We need to understand reality. If we're gonna actually live well, then we need to know the truth. Right? If any of you are New Year's people, January 1, you step on the scale, that is the truth. <laughs> right? Your pants sort of have some give, that they get? but the scale, that is the truth. And then you look at the truth and you go, okay, what's my plan? Blah 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 right. When we know reality, we can actually begin to deal with what in the world we're supposed to do. And I love the way we start out. We, are, we know that we are children of God. We know. That's the framing part of understanding our spiritual formation. That this God, almighty, incredible God has invited us to be adopted into his family as daughters and sons. And listen, I've seen some of you Marin moms, when your little kids get bullied or picked on by other little kids, you go to the mat, man. No one is messing with your kid. You will take on kids. You will take on parents. You will take on administration. You go to the mat for them. And how cool, what an awesome picture. You Marin moms, you mama bears are this beautiful picture of God. If if, if you're gonna do that for your kid, imagine God, the the, 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 the master of the universe, right? The God Almighty, who's like, my kid's being messed with? No way. I see my kid. I love my kid. I'm gonna protect my kid. I'm gonna run after my kid. That is the foundation of reality. Now, part of reality is that we are in the world, but we're not of the world, right? And that this world is controlled by the evil one, the whole world. And that's helpful to know because we think we should just walk in the world and it should be rainbows and butterflies and life should be great, but it's not. It is full of death and destruction and brokenheartedness and grief. And so instead of walking in the world and being like, what's up, God, what's going on? And being all upset and, and turning our back on God, we know, oh my goodness, no, the ruler of the world is in control and he's having his way through flesh and through the world and is causing death and destruction. But what's incredible is that God longs for his people to be agents of truth and hope and mercy. So we don't need to be scared of the world, we don't need to be scared of our flesh, and we for sure don't need to be scared of the devil because we are God's children, we belong to him, and we live in the truth. So once we understand um, reality, um, then we're ready to, to, to go and get after it. But I did wanna show this one, uh, pithy statement, which I think is so great. It comes out of John Mark Comer's book, uh, Live No Lies. And this is how he kind of sums up this framing of how it all works. And Jeff talked about last week, and this is kind of our framing for our time together, right? It's that the devil's strategy is that he gives us deceitful ideas, right? He lies to us, but they play to our disordered desires, which is our flesh, that are normalized in a sinful society, And so if we're going to be God's agents in the world, then we have to get our flesh under control. And if we're going to, we also, even before that, need to be people of the truth to know what God is saying and what the devil is saying in his lies so that we can stop all that in its tracks. So, really briefly, there's three important um, spiritual disciplines that we want to talk about this morning. And uh, these spiritual disciplines, again, is our version of spiritual warfare. And they come right out of that passage, right out of verse 20, right? So verse 20 says that we know also, right, that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. Right? God is invisible and He's hard to understand, He's hard to know, but God did not want to make himself known. He'd reveal himself through the law. God's chosen people were chosen because he revealed himself through the law, ultimately pointing to Jesus, who is the God incarnate, God in the flesh. So if you want to know who God is, how God behaves, how God interacts, what his values are, we look to Jesus. And what's interesting is Jesus, I mean, is a very good picture It's an incredible picture. In some sense, it's almost too good of a picture. He makes it pretty clear about the kind of lives we're supposed to live, the kind of ways we're supposed to treat each other. So the very first thing we need to do is we need to study Scripture. That's the very first part. Because Scripture is the revelation of God. It's the revelation that points the picture of that tells us about who Jesus is. And it begins the work of helping frame our mind and our understanding to be about the things of God. So studying scripture allows us so that we can know him who is true. I love this passage in John verse, chapter 1, verse 14. It says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of his one and only son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So our number one thing, if we're going to think about how we're going to combat the devil and his lies, well, we make sure we know scripture. And we know scripture not to be just Bible brainiacs. But we know scripture because scripture helps us know Jesus who helps us know God. Who reminds us of all the ways that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit? First thing, we say scripture. Here's the second thing we live in community. If we're gonna attack the devil and all of his lies, we need to know the truth, but then we also need to live in community, right? And it comes right out of that verse. It says that we are in him, right? We are in him who is true. And by being in him, Uh, But by, by being in His Son, Jesus Christ, that's how we're in Him. So we're connected, we're baptized, we belong. We are in community with God. Isn't that crazy to think about that? Like if you're God's kid, you're not just out there on your own. You're actually in community with God because the Holy Spirit is in you. And because the Holy Spirit is in you, we actually belong to one another. We, as other Christians, we are the body of Christ and we belong to one another. And I love this, this picture. When, I, when you think of community, you, know, you, you Google search community, and you get a lot of like people holding hands and hugging. And I came across this picture of a basketball game fight. And this is what I love, because I think what happens is in the world, I don't know about you, but I'm, like, I'm tempted. I'm distracted. There's always something that's drawing me, that's causing reaction, that's causing me to, to not practice the fruits of the Spirit. Right, I cannot practice the fruits of the spirit all day, but because I belong to Christ, the Holy Spirit, right? He's grabbing a hold of me. Something pokes at me, and I want to go down this road. The Holy Spirit grabs a hold of me, and protects me, and reminds me what is true. And if I can't hear from the Holy Spirit, man, then I need to be in community. Because all of a sudden, if I'm in community and I'm sitting around with my friends, I'm starting to complain about something. They're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on." And I think that this is what community is at its best. It's someone that's holding on to us, that's holding us back, that's making sure we don't get, go down this road. In that book, Live No Lives, John, Comer, John Mark Comer, he, he has these funny little, little illustrations, but he says, you know, you're never going to meet with your pastor and start, you know, complaining about, like, I'm so worried about money, and maybe the solve is to rob a bank and work that out with your pastor. Like, if you're meeting with your pastor and we're worried about your money issues, you guys together are not going to be like, yes, solving, a, I mean, robbing a bank is the solve. That's not, that's never going to happen, right? Because when we're in community, it helps us remind ourselves what is true. You know, if you're in a men's ministry and you're sitting around and you're in a really challenging season in your marriage and all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I, that's it, I'm done. I'm gonna, I'm signing up to Twitter and the whole, I mean, to, to, to Tinder, right? The whole small group's not like, well, let me give you some tips. No, the whole small group's like, what are you doing? No, and give, they take your phone and they throw it on the ground and smash it, right? They're holding you back. So that's living community. So if we wanna battle the devil's lies, we have to be in life with each other. We have to be in life connected to the Holy Spirit for that is how we actually stay in the truth. We know the truth through scripture. We live out the, church, the truth by being community. And then here's the last thing that we do. The very last thing is that we actually end up, so we have to submit ourselves to God. That's the non-sexy one. That's the one that I think ultimately is why people go, oh, that Christianity thing is hard. But the end of verse 20 says, he is the true God. He is the true God. And if we have to wrestle that down and we come to terms that, oh my goodness, okay, you are God, I am not. He is the true God. And what's interesting is scripture says, right? When we submit ourselves to God, right? The true God, that's where everlasting life is. John 10, 10, I mean, right? Says that the thief, he comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus has come that we may have life and have life everlasting. But the way that we engage that life, the way we embrace that life everlasting is that we actually end up having to submit ourselves to God. He's the one who crafted us. He's the one who crafted the world. He's the one who's given us his word and his son and the spirit so we can know the truth and we live in community. But ultimately we have to submit ourselves to God. And by submitting ourselves to God, we live this life. And what's so fun is this this passage in James chapter 4 verse 7 says this. It's such a great clear memory verse. It's actually pretty simple, right? We submit ourselves to God, except I didn't memorize it. (laughs) Submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Right, So we don't have to be scared of the devil. We don't have to be freaked out that he's running after us. If we are at all, we begins, we submit ourselves to God. We resist the devil, and he's going to flee from us. I'm going to invite up Jeff. Those are the three, um, those are three spiritual practices. And like I said, every part of this, the uh, enemies of our soul, we'll do theological understanding, and then we'll do some spiritual practices so that we can live in the truth and be all who God has made us to be. But we really want to make sure uh, that we spend some of this time answering the questions because you guys had incredible questions and we want you to be free to know that we don't know all the answers, but some of them. Yeah, <laughs> That's the point you're gonna get right
1: here is that we don't know all the answers. In fact, I'm gonna actually begin. You guys, did, did really, I really appreciate the questions. And we had a very rough time figuring out how we were gonna do this and we decided that we'd actually just walk through. We grouped the questions into some uh, similar questions. And so hopefully your, your questions addressed a little bit. And uh, if not, you know, part of what we wanna, wanna communicate to you is really gonna invite you to further study. I mean, if you have a study Bible, if not, we can get you one. But to do a deep dive into some of these things also, these should be some of the conversations that you're having with the people around you. All my groups and all my people, I kept talking about the devil all week long because people were, you know, we were all like engaged in thinking some of this stuff through. So I want you to have those conversations with people. And then similarly for you, if you need some pastoral time with us, like we want to invite you to do that, to take advantage of that, because we are always available to, um, to you, all of our pastoral team is, to make sure that if you want to sit down and talk about some of this stuff, especially if it's got you a little tilted, then we want to have some conversation with you, okay? But I'm going to start with three real um, quick questions that are a little bit lightning round-ish because they all, the answers to these questions, they're all grouped together about the origin story, and the answer to all these is some version of we don't know, okay? So... <laughs> So let's let's take care of those. First of all, where in scripture does it talk about the devil's origin story? Now we actually know, but there's just not that much evidence about it. People were like, so how did this happen? Where was he? Like What's going down in heaven? And there's actually, there's a few places in the Old Testament where there are glimpses of of what uh, uh, the Jewish thinkers for 2000 years have been saying, oh, that's a little insight into how the devil fell. And so if you go look at it and read it, you're like, wait, that's a prophecy against the king of Babylon or against the ruler of of Tyre. And then you're like, yeah, but there's some, like the prophets going, yeah, you know, you, king of Babylon, you're gonna be judged and you're just like the evil that's behind your evil rule, which was Satan and I threw him out of heaven. And so you're like, okay, I'm picking up a few details. All that, you may not attract with any of that. All that to say, it's actually very difficult to learn much about the origin story, but there are some glimpses you can do a deep dive into the Old Testament, a couple places in the New Testament, and a couple places in Revelation to give you a sense of it. But the truth that we really find out is that the, all the rest of the scriptures teach about, well, yeah, but he's here now. And now, how is it that he's coming at us? And how is it that we resist him and find victory, right? So, before we move on to those questions, because a couple other related stories about the origin story. So, yeah, we don't know much about the whole origin, including this question. Uh, And regarding the origin story, if God's so amazing, like why would the devil betray God and begin a rebellion? Like what did he have to gain? Like what is that about? Like we're like, that doesn't bode well for me and my relationship with God. Like the devil was in the presence of God and then he's like, yeah, I'm out. Like really? We don't know that, except that we do know this, that his sin was conceit. That's one of the tidbits we get. His sin was wanting to be self ruled. So, conceit, not like I'm awesome, although he was. His sin was, and I'm going to take this and make my way for what I want to do, not under the authority of Jesus, or of God, of the Godhead. That's just our sin as well, friends. Like that is something that we all carry as well. And so I don't know why in the world Satan would actually go that far and begin rebellion and bail on God when he knew all the glory that God is, except to say that self-rule is a brutal reality mm-hmm. and it ought to terrify all of us. Uh, again, we don't know much about it. And the last thing about origin story is, you know, the question that came from many of you is, why would God be letting Satan have dominion over the earth? Why not just destroy him and take him out of the game? The truth of the matter is what we do understand about the origin story is that God gave every created being free agency, the angels and humans, and he's going to the mat with that reality because that reality is about giving us the opportunity to freely choose to love and worship him and walk with him. Because if we don't have the freedom to do that, then we're robots, and that's not the character of God. And the angels had that freedom as well. And Satan and other angels fell. And therefore, their destiny is now laid before them. And so God isn't just, you know, like, take them out of the game. Because he allows free agency to have its way for now. And one day when the kingdom comes in its fullness, he won't have dominion anymore. But those kind of are all the, the, you know, the the stories about the origin. We don't know why it happened and how it happened, but what we do know is in fact he's here and now we got to know how to walk and how to battle him. There is a funny little story that Daryl reminded me of this week, and it's the old Buddhist parable of a poisoned arrow where a warrior takes a poisoned arrow shot right in the gut and his friends are like, let's pull it out of you. And he's like, no, 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 wait, before you pull it out, while the poison spreading in his body. They're like, he's like, before you pull it out, I want to know where the arrow came from. Was it from a a warrior from that village or from that village? Was it somebody who's of of noble blood or a commoner? Well, he's asking all these questions. And the the point of the parable was the man will die if he doesn't get the arrow out. And all those other questions will still remain
0: unanswered. So let's get the arrow out. And that's the rest of the New Testament teaching. Yeah. And what I love is that you know, for God's people, we actually want to be people who know the word, who know the truth. And if we're not, we don't spend our whole time being distracted by being on YouTube and TikTok, we actually have space (coughs) to think and dream. And while we very much want to get the arrow out, uh, for those people who, the the far they fall in love with God's word and God's people, it is fun to think about and and pontificate about and wrestle with and debate all the different origin stories and, and try to understand all of the, what authors have written over, you know, Jewish authors have written, how they interpret that, what Christians authors have written and think, think about that. So it's not like we just don't totally know, but man, we want to make sure the arrow comes out. And for most people in our context, we have to get the arrow out. And then people like Arv are like, the arrow's out, but I'm also ready to like go toe to go toe with Ezekiel. So it's, it's a little bit of a, of a both end, and, but we'll make sure that the, the decimal's in the right spot with those. Okay. The second question, which I thought was really, we thought was really good was, how do we discern the devil or a demons' lies? Especially when he masquerades as an angel of light. And I think this gives us pause because we talk all the time. We want to hear the voice of God. We want to be Holy Spirit people. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, God's invisible and he doesn't really talk to us like with an audible voice. So it's this really subjective, how in the world do we discern? And, uh, but first of all, we need to understand we don't, the scriptural testimony is that we don't need to be afraid We're not people who live in fear, but we do need to develop the spiritual practice of discernment. That is a skill. It's a a skill that we need to actually figure out how to develop. And how do we develop discernment? It's through the spiritual practices, the spiritual disciplines. We read God's word. We study God's word. We make sure we're in community with people. And as God, we feel like God might be leading us in some sort of way or or is drawing us a certain way, right? We we test the scriptures. We then take that and we meet with our other sisters and brothers and we test it with them and we wrestle with those things together. Um, I love the, the passage that you brought up earlier, Jeff, about the, the idea that we actually can learn to hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Like the more that we fall in love with God, the more that we spend time in God's word, the more that we hear from the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, John says we can, the, his sheep actually can hear his voice. Mm-hmm. And so we can actually begin to discern the, the Lord's voice from the devil's voice. And while we're in that discerning process, even more so we need to be in scripture and in community
1: how generous of god to for the shepherd he says the sheep know my voice that over time, you guys, and if you're at the beginning of your spiritual journey, you haven't leaned into these spiritual practices, and, and so you're like, well, the lies sound exactly like the truth to me, but I'm just, I'm here. the good news is that over time, you actually learn to hear the shepherd's mm-hmm. voice. And so when you're steeped in the truth, as Ben was talking about, and you're in community as this sermon's about, and we lean into submitting ourselves to God, then we actually become more adept at understanding Jesus's voice. So when lies come, we go, well, that, that doesn't sound true at all. It's like the counterfeit yeah. story. And so, man, that's why we wanna keep going on this. The other thing I would add to that question about how do we discern, because the masquerade is angel of light. Ben has said this in this this question. He's like, it feels like light because the enemy is so cunning. He's so strategic that he will give you lies that are directed right at the stuff you really wanna do. And he's so good at that. And so it's just so hard for like, yikes. Well, you know what, you guys, if he's perfectly designing a temptation to to confuse you, and you're not sure if you can discern the shepherd's voice, then just wait. Mm -hmm. Then just wait until you have a sense. Let the Lord sort things out, because we usually run ahead in our emotions and our desires and our urges, and often those are rooted in our pain and our panic and our scarcity. Just wait, and our shepherd will come along and lead us gently. Another question here is, um, are some people more susceptible or targeted by demons than others? Are some people more susceptible or targeted um, by demons, by the devil and demons than others? (laughs) Ben, why don't you handle this one? (laughs) You got it. I think it's two questions. First question is, are people targeted? And that comes out of our reading of Job. We're freaked out. Job is an allegory. Church, go get your Bible with color on every page. Read the introduction to the book of Job. The point of the book of Job is to say that calamity happens to all people, and we can't figure out an A plus B equals C reason for calamity except that God is good, and he will not let us be overwhelmed by whatever it is that we face, okay? That's the point of Job. But what you don't take from Job is the truth that you don't take and apply is, I wonder if my name's going to come up in the lottery, and God's going to be like, yep. Take take Robert and just trash him. Like, that's not how that works. We're not targeted more than somebody else, okay? The other question that's built in there is, are some people more susceptible than others? Now, that's an interesting question. Susceptible? The Bible does say, we don't want to give the devil a foothold. And so there's this idea, this concept in Scripture, that if we're not knowing the truth, living in community, knowing God's word, right, walking in submission to Him, then we're going to be open to those lives. We're going to be more susceptible to Him
0: getting a foothold. Yep. And I, I was actually really challenged by this question because I think um, because it is so targeted, like you said, you know, that there are some people who feel like, gosh, the The demons are always on them. They're like, they're so sensitive to the spiritual realm. And it's like, and so maybe like, because of their unique wiring, their unique gifts, their unique calling that God's put in their life, they are going to actually experience that in a very targeted way. And because that's not necessarily how I'm wired. I'm like, well, then I'm never targeted by the devil. So I'm actually, I'm like one of God's favorite people, but that's even worse and scarier because If God, if the devil's going to always be targeting our unique specific brokenness, then, you know, he's like, oh, you think you're too smart? Oh, well, then perfect. Well, think about blah, 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 and then actually be eliminated and taken out in a different sort of way. And so it's a very unique, I mean, he's just a tricky trickster, you know, like you said, a a pinhead. I love that in your sermon last week. And so I think all of us are susceptible. All of us are open. We're all going to be targeted by the very unique ways that we're wired emotionally, physically, um, personality-wise, and spiritual gifts-wise. And so... Even more so, we need to know the truth. That relates to that next question too. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so the next question is: If the devil has no power over us, yet he is our enemy, what should we realistically be concerned about? And I just love that. What, what should we realistically be concerned about? We know in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, you know, John says that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. So while, right, we know the enemy is has full reign in the world right now. There's nothing to be fearful of. He's just throwing, you know, uh, attacks at us and lies at us. Um, He is specifically um, attacking us, but he doesn't have any control over us. We are in Christ. When we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is what empowers us. The Holy Spirit is what protects us. The Holy Spirit is what informs us. And so there's nothing to be afraid of. Um, It's, again, it's looking at reality. It's understanding, well, what is happening? What is going on? And we have a a thoughtful way, a spirit-led way to engage that. But we don't need to be concerned in the same sort of way of being fearful about it. It's just that, um, yeah,
1: yeah. I, you know, one of the, the questions that, that's embedded in that somebody asked this question about possession. Like, can I be possessed oh, right. by by the enemy? Like, is that something I need to be, you know, concerned about? Or if he's masquerading as angel of light, do I need to be concerned about the fact that I'm just going to be lived? I'm just going to be deceived and making all kinds of horrible decisions? Well. Around the possession piece, you you guys—you know—you may have grown up. Those of you that are my age saw The Exorcist when you were thirteen, right? And uh, terrifying. You—you can't. You—you will not be possessed by the enemy because you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So you can't share that. That's not going to happen. Now you may be demonized. You may be attacked. Well, not you may be. That's what we're talking about. It's all over our Bible. And so you will be attacked with lies of the enemy, but you will not, he cannot overtake your life. And so I just want, I want to speak to to that piece. I was going to say something else, but I forgot what it was, probably because we're out of time. Um, So what should we realistically be concerned about then? That he can't control your life. And in fact, what the things that I tried to allude to is that Job's even getting at, you, you don't even know the things that come over you, the tragedies, that you calamities that happen to you, that's what happens in our world. That's what the bumper sticker says. Stuff happens. We don't even know. We can't even draw a line as to what that is. That may not even be the devil's attack, but what we will know is that he will shoot arrows at you in the midst of that attack to tell you lies about who God is, about who you are, about how life can be found through this, even in this calamity. okay So what are we realistically concerned about? His lies coming at us. So then, therefore, we stay in the truth. So, Ben, come out. We're going to be done, but I just want to uh, say this last, and, and I think that's the key. That's the, that's the point that, you know, Ben l- ended with in, our, in his preaching time is, is that James 4, 7 piece. What are we mostly concerned about? Submitting ourselves to God, right? I mean, let's go back to Ben's sermon, right? We're going um, to be in the word of God so we know the truth, so we know the counterfeit. The, those, you know, we know what's counterfeit because we know the truth, we're gonna be in community so that we can process that together. So we stay stuff out loud and we're like, does that sound like the shepherd's voice to you? And our friends are like, nope. And then we're gonna be submitting ourselves to God on a daily basis. Lord, not my will, but your will. Come and speak to me. And here's my desires. We had a lot of questions. We won't get to them now, but we had a lot of questions around. So are my desires all bad? No. Let's submit them to the, to, to the Lord. And he'll either give you the desire of your heart because you're walking in his will, or he'll change your desires. Right. And so, James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. And what, what's the last line? And yep. he will flee, from, flee you. from you. And so now, that's, a, that's what we do day in, day out. It's what we do week in, week out as a church. And we'll do it now. We're gonna sing some worship of surrender and lean into the presence of God and celebrate the good news He's a pinhead, the enemy is, and doesn't (laughs) have any power over us if we put ourselves into the truth and the hands of God. So let's stand and worship together. together.